Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another special edition of Take Two. This week we're talking the Senate race. Joining me is independent candidate candidate that is Evan McMullen. Thanks so much for being with us. Good to be with you, Heidi. Okay, we are in the final stretch. I think 20 some odd days left. Uh, tell me a little bit about what your schedule is like right now. Are you meeting with people personally or what do you do in this final few weeks? Well, it's a little bit of everything or a lot of everything, actually. I mean, you're just you're, you're going constantly. I mean, we're we're holding events all over the state, meet and greets in people's homes, backyards, rallies. Uh, we do a lot of press engagements, of course. And uh, and then, of course, we're continually raising money and uh, making decisions about, you know, strategic uh, messages that we put out as a part of the campaign via advertising and otherwise. I mean, it just goes on and on. But uh, but we're very, very busy, of course, and it's a lot of fun. We're meeting a lot of good people across the state. Before we get into the issues, I want to talk numbers because yesterday there was a new mm -hmm. poll released. It was from the Deseret mm -hmm. News Hinckley Institute done. Um, just at the first week of October, and right now, uh, Senator Mike Lee at 41%. You're in striking distance with that plus or minus 3 or 4% mm -hmm. at 37%. The mm -hmm. thing that's interesting to me is the other category that's at 5%. I'm wondering who that other category is. And 12% are still undecided. Mm -hmm. How do you flip those undecideds? Because that's a high number when we're just a few weeks out. Ballots will be mm -hmm. on people's countertops a week from now. Yeah, I think we have 17% of Utahns either in that other category or in the undecided category. And we believe that, that most of them are, are looking for an alternative to Senator Lee. And so we're working very hard to reach them as a part of our campaign. We're inviting Republicans, Democrats, and independents to join us. And we've been able to build that cross-partisan coalition. And so we're working very hard to reach those undecided voters. You know, we know they want to make a change. We just haven't sufficiently reached them. So that's our big mission over the next uh, four weeks, the remaining four weeks of the race. Let's talk about some of the issues that will really help people decide. The number one thing when I talk to people right now, and I'm sure you're hearing this too, is inflation, the price of things, gas prices. Mm. Inflation in June was up year over year, 9.1%. July, it was 8.5%. August, barely down at 8.3%. But people are spending 10, 11% more than they were a year ago, just on everyday things. Mm -hmm. What can you do specifically if you're elected to Congress to maybe make a change for the better, slightly in one direction? Well, we need to make a change. I mean, certainly my family, we've got five kids at home and we feel this very heavily, the, the, the pressure of inflation. Every time we go to the store, it's, it's evident that we're paying far more than we used to pay. We can do a lot. Number one, I think, is we've got to reduce reckless government spending. Both Republican and Democratic economists warned that if President Biden uh, went through with this $1.9 trillion aid package during the pandemic, that it would contribute heavily to inflation, and indeed it has. So that's, that's a big issue. We've also got to expand the workforce so that we meet demand with supply. Right now we're just not doing that. We need to bring back critical manufacturing to the United States. We're doing that with chip manufacturing. That's in process. 
But I think given the instability of the world going forward, we're going to need to incentivize the return of more critical manufacturing. So if those are some key things. If we bring it back things. though, are there yeah. people to take those jobs? Because it seems everywhere yeah. I go, there's a help wanted mm. sign, whether it's in you know blue collar, white collar jobs, it seems like there's not mm. enough people to fill the jobs we have already. Well, that's why I, I think we've got to ensure that we're retraining people so that they can take the jobs that are available. Right now, you know, we've got a workforce and uh, that, that is, is not as large as it should be and people aren't taking jobs that we wish they would take. Part of that is to do with skills not lining up with where the jobs are. So we need to, to help incentivize and, and help uh, allow people to get that retraining so that we can expand the workforce to meet that demand. Uh, you know, there, there are other things we can, we can do on that front. I think another point here though is we need to have greater energy independence. I mean, look, when Russia invades Ukraine, for example, and we need to take a stand against Vladimir Putin and his, and his regime uh, by not taking their energy, well, then that creates a, a supply shock and, and drives up prices here at the, at the gas pump. The way forward, as I see it, is a more uh, energy independent country. And we can do that through our own production. But I also, I also think investing more in cleaner sources of energy because those are truly independent. They're not priced on an international market, which means we pay less for energy writ large. And so again, I think that's another piece Define of Define what cleaner energy is for you. What would you like to see happen and be I, more of? I think it's a combination, you know, of, of whether it's wind, solar, uh, and, and other sources. Um, I, I do think it's, it's worth taking another look at nuclear. I think that's, you know, that technology has improved and become safer. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's worth more investigation. I'm not sure yet that it's the right thing to do, but if, you know, it could solve a lot of, a lot of uh, challenges. Um, but I do think we, we've got to transition. We're facing severe air and water challenges in, in the state and across the country. And, you know, we need to live up to our responsibility of stewardship for the environment. And we can do that and uh, improve our energy security by, again, investing in these cleaner sources of energy uh, at the same time. And, and so it's a priority on both those fronts. Not everyone has an electric car right now. Uh, a lot of people have gas cars. They're going to long into the future. Should mm. Utah be able to drill more, frack more, or is that not the answer? I do think that we, especially in the near term, we have to, uh, we have to do more in the way of domestic production of, of, of traditional fuels, of hydrocarbons. Uh, the reason for that is just that we cannot continue to pay what we're paying at the pump and we have to replace the, the absence of Russian energy on the market, at least for ourselves. And it's still priced on a global market, so it doesn't solve everything, but more production on our side domestically, I think is a, a necessity for the short term. Again, in the long term, I'd like to see us invest more in cleaner sources of energy. I think that's better for independence and better uh, for, uh, for, the, for the environment. But in the short term, yes, I think we, we do need to produce more domestically. Uh, speaking of fuel prices, green energy, inflation, all of that, the Inflation Reduction Act, it was a lot of money. President Biden got that passed. If you were in the Senate at the time, would you vote it in favor or against it? I wouldn't have voted in favor of it in its current form. And the reason why is that it just didn't do enough to reduce inflation. What It was called the Inflation Reduction Act, but it just didn't do that. Uh, but I did like other elements of it. I, I liked the fact that it allowed the government through Medicare to start negotiating on prescription drugs 
We in America pay more for prescription drugs than anyone else in the industrialized world. It doesn't have to be that way. If we're willing to stand up to giant pharmaceutical companies, those special interests who, uh, who have, through their allies in the Senate, including my opponent, seen to it that, that they, can, they can charge, overcharge uh, Americans and the government for, the, for prescription drugs, if we're willing to stand up to those special interests, we can lower those drug prices. I don't think the Inflation Reduction Act went nearly far enough on that front, but it started to allow the government to negotiate on prescription drugs, which I think is really important. So I like that. Uh, again, I didn't like the fact that it didn't do enough to reduce inflation, which I think is just a national imperative at this moment. Um, but I would have engaged constructively to try to negotiate a better deal for Utah and the country. I don't think it's enough to just sit on your hands and vote no because it's, you know, you didn't agree with all the bill, with every bit of the bill. I think we've got to have two senators in the chamber who are going to work across party lines to negotiate a better deal for Utah, and that's what I would have done. Let's talk about that, because I know that you've been critical of Senator Lee and some of his no votes, and oftentimes his no votes, um, from my understanding, are because the bill's too big. It's spending a lot of money on not that specific problem. Specifically, if you were looking at the last bill, I think it was the burn pit bill, and it's called the PACT Act. Uh, your criticism of Lee on that is that he should have negotiated, I understand it, uh, from what I see on Twitter. He did have some amendments. It doesn't seem they passed. Uh, both Senator Romney and Lee voted against it. How would you have voted or done things differently if you were in the Senate? Well, look, I, I think that there's room for discussion about the size of the bill and what it did and all of that, and that's perfectly fine. My, my offer is that you know, we need to have two senators who are always going to be in the room negotiating a better deal for our country and for Utah. And, and right now, I think we have two very different examples of, of uh, approaches as, as, as senators. We have Senator Romney, who every single week you hear about him doing something constructively, working with Republicans and Democrats to solve some problem. With Senator Lee, it's, it's really just a no vote after no vote without really engaging very constructively. Now, on the veterans, I'll say that I think that we have a an obligation, I, I almost want to say a sacred obligation, but when, we, when our men and women go overseas to defend us and they suffer harm, whether it's you know, psychological or physical, whatever it is, we need to stand there with them. You know, I served for over a decade in the CIA after 9-11. I served alongside members of the military and I know what they sacrifice and, and we just can't get to a place as a country where they're exposed, for example, to toxic burn pits and we don't stand with them when, they're, when they have cancer resulting from that exposure. So wh whatever it is, we have to get to a point where we're saying, where, we're, where we have a plan to deal with that. And so I, I didn't see that from Senator Lee, and I didn't, but I did see a lot of Republicans and Democrats supporting that bill, and, and I think it was important to do. But let's see an alternative if you don't agree. He did have amendments, uh, and they did not pass. I think the problem is, is we put mm. bills like this that are emotional. We all know we need to take care of our veterans, but then we tack it onto all this other spending, and they get passed because people feel like they have to, in good conscience, support our veterans. How do you, when you go to Congress, make sure that we're not spending money we don't need to? Because oftentimes, mm -hmm. these really emotional, really important bills are passed with billions and billions of dollars of extra money that sometimes people don't even know what they're voting for when they vote. And that mm -hmm. seems to be the mm -hmm. ball that just keeps rolling and costing taxpayers more and more money mm -hmm. that we can't afford. Well, it certainly is critical that we get our, our spending under control. And I think both parties are guilty of overspending, and we could talk a lot about that. I've mentioned it earlier in, in this conversation. 
but, but look, I, I don't see supporting our veterans who have cancer because they were exposed to toxic burn pits overseas during war efforts after 9-11. I don't see that as just a knee-jerk emotional reaction. That's just, that's the smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do to be there for them. Now, as far as what we can do to, to get our spending under control, number one, going back to wars, let's avoid unnecessary wars. We haven't been very good about that over the last two decades. Now, I support our effort to destroy Al-Qaeda Al in Afghanistan, uh, but we spent way too much time there at, at way too, too large of a scale. We shouldn't have entered Iraq. That, that wasn't necessary. So let's be better and, and let's, let's avoid entering these unnecessary wars. There are other things we can do to get our spending under control. I, I mentioned prescription drugs earlier. Right now, we all as taxpayers, through the federal government, through Medicare, Medicaid, we spend far too much on prescription drugs because our, our members of Congress have tied the hands of the government to not allow it to negotiate as any other player in the market for the best possible price. And so we as taxpayers through the government are paying too much, that puts pressure on the, the budget. But also we as individuals, if you and I, or you or I get sick and we have to buy prescription drugs, we're paying a lot more than we need to too. So let's, let's, uh, uh, let's stand up to the special interests who are corrupting the prescription drug market for their own uh, profit only. And it's, it's sort of a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a gross corruption that we can stand up to and lower lower prices for ourselves and take the pressure off the federal budget. There are all kinds of reforms we can make like that that, um, that require standing up to special interest groups, which is why I haven't taken a cent in this campaign from special interest groups and I refuse to do so. Meanwhile, my opponent has taken almost $4 million from special interests, so it's no wonder Define why he serves special interests, because it seems like there are a lot mm -hmm. of corporations that give money to just about everyone, whether it's a Walmart or some of these other yeah. big corporations. Is that a special interest to you? Uh, my view is that, that anyone who, any giver to a campaign that isn't a person is a special interest. And, and that's why I've refused to take even a cent from anyone who isn't just a person. My campaign is funded by people. Most of our donors are here in Utah. I'm very proud of that, though we do have, do have supporters across the country. Uh, and I'm proud of that too, people joining from across the political spectrum to join the coalition we're building. Um, but when you're taking money, so much money, I mean, Senator Lee, again, to the tune of millions of dollars from, from all kinds of special interest groups, whether it's you know, huge corporations, which, you know, look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pro-business American, um, but, but I do think that, that you know, big money in politics just has had a corrupting influence. And that's why so many of our leaders no, no longer represent us with their votes. And, and that's again why, you know, when I talk about my own independence, it's about not taking special interest group money as well as being willing to stand up to party bosses of both sides. Let's talk about uh, standing up to party bosses on both sides because mm. you've promised not to caucus with either party. Do you still mm. stand by that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, our first president, President George Washington, warned against the spirit of party that someday people would care too much, so much about their party affiliations that they would not uh, remain committed to the Constitution and that they would use power in office to serve their own party rather than the people. I think we're living in that day and age now. Also as a practical- How do you fix yeah. that though? Because I think yeah. the problem is conceptually people are like, that's great, I wish that we weren't, mm. you know, so left, so right, so divided. Right, right. But the problem is the way that Congress works right now is left mm. and right. And if you don't get on one of those committees or you don't get assigned them from mm. either caucus, can you really be doing the work of the people of Utah? That's a big question I see from people. How do you make mm. that happen? 
Well, I spent years working in Congress, and you know, I often hear from people, well, that's just not how Congress works. Well, I would propose that Congress now doesn't work. Congress just isn't working. But I'll say this about committee assignments, for example. It's a Senate rule that every committee or every senator has to have at least two committee assignments, and it's possible to have a third from another smaller category of, of committees. But also, there has never been an independent in the history of the Senate that didn't have committee assignments. It just has never happened. I will have committee assignments. But more importantly, Heidi, the opportunity here is, is to stand between both parties and to hold one of the most important, if not the most important vote in the Senate. We've seen in this divided Senate, and it will still be divided after this cycle, that the senators who are willing to put the interests of their state and their, their constituents first and stand up to party bosses and the special interests they have become the most influential people in the chamber and also, I would say, in Washington, second to the president. I want that for Utah. I think the country needs Utah's leadership just as much as we need better representation in, in Washington. And that's the opportunity here. Nothing, if we prevail, a little will get done in the Senate without Utah's support and without the, the, the support of the coalition of Republicans, Democrats, and independents that we're building. That is a tremendous thing for our state. A lot of people here in Utah are worried about debt. We're worried about debt because of inflation. A lot of people talking about student debt. And another question in your campaign is your own debt. A lot of people are asking why you haven't repaid the debt you have from your presidential election. I think it's about a half a million dollars, maybe even a couple Utah businesses in there. Why not pay that off if debt is a concern of yours that you want to work on in Washington? Well, in 26, that debt is from my 2016 presidential campaign. That was a campaign that that I hoped not to run, that I hoped some more prominent person, a senator, a major business leader in the country uh, would, would, would run. I thought it was important to represent principled conservatives and Republicans in 2016 when they were otherwise not being represented. And I understood that our republic was at risk. I feared that things like January 6th would happen. And so I felt compelled when no one else would do it to step into the race as somebody who no one had ever heard of. I had no money, no team, no name ID. But what but about it, the mom and pop shops that gave you services and haven't happy been paid to answer, back yet? Happy to answer, answer your question. So we, we ended up losing that race, that's, that's right. And like most losing presidential mm -hmm. campaigns, we ended up with some debt. Now the debt that we ended up with, which I'm still committed to paying down, is far less than what most other presidential campaigns end up with. Donald Trump, for example, in the last election, ended up with $3 million worth of debt. Barack Obama, in his last winning election, ended up with $5 million worth of debt. None of that has been paid. You know, we are committed to paying that down. We depend on donors donating to an old campaign, to the 2016 campaign, in order to do that. You can imagine sort of the interest level of donors in donating to a campaign uh, from, from years ago. But still, as funding becomes available, we, we do pay it down and we're committed to doing that. But right now, we're running a ra race to replace Senator Mike Lee because he's betrayed the Constitution by trying to overturn the will of the people in the last election by recruiting or trying to recruit fake electors from swing states. It was one of the most egregious betrayals of the Constitution in our nation's history. And coming from a state like ours, where my ancestors and the ancestors of many others sacrificed greatly to, to find freedom and opportunity, to have a senator now from Utah who would so betray his oath to the Constitution that he would put the future of the republic at risk is just absolutely something we cannot accept. And that's why in the, I'm in this race, and that's what we're working on now. Does it matter that he voted on January 6th to certify the election? 
Well, you know, I, I'm glad he did that. But before that, he, he advised uh, spurious lawsuits, almost all of which failed in the courts. And, but they did succeed in misleading tens of millions of, of Americans about whether the election had been stolen or not. He urged the, a president who had lost the election to keep fighting. He promoted conspiracy theorists to get time with the president and to mislead the president, perhaps even, about what had happened in the election. And then, by his own account, Senator Lee spent 14 hours a day trying to unravel, that's his word, unravel the election for President Trump to try to recruit fake electors. Now, I think in the end, he realized the plan wasn't coming together, and so he, he bailed. And so in the end, he did the right thing, but in the process, he did an enormous amount of, uh, of damage to the American Republic, and he must be held accountable. A few more questions before we let you go. We're getting short on time. I want to get back to debt, student debt. Here in Utah, people are divided over what President Biden has chosen to do to uh, get rid of or at least move the burden of where student debt is. Uh, a lot of students are going to get rid of 10,000, some up to 20,000. And these are families that make 125,000 up to 250,000. Was this the right decision and does it fix the problem or does it just wipe away or put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole for a little while? Well, student debt is a huge problem in our country, but I don't think this was the right, the, the right decision. I think we should have targeted forgiveness programs for those in public service. If you serve in the military, if you're a teacher, things like that. Uh, I, I think we should have programs that, that help those people overcome their debt uh, uh, more quickly. That, that makes sense to me. Um, but I think this program, this proposal was, was too, too broad. And, and President Biden did, it on, did, it, did this on his own. I think that was a mistake too, especially during a time when we're battling inflation to add to the deficit, to pump this much money back into the economy at this time, I just don't think makes sense. I do think though, we have got to get our hands around this problem of the just, just uh, exorbitant costs of higher education. It is so expensive to go to college in America these days. And, uh, and we need to fix that. And, and there, you know, that's a whole other topic, but, but that's really where we need to focus. There is a huge problem there. We could take hours on that. Sure. A lightning round. If you were in the Senate and mm -hmm. they were voting to codify uh, Roe v. Wade, would you vote in favor of keeping those uh, choice voice, I can't talk, right to choose uh, with abortion, or would you vote against it? Well, I don't think that's the legislation we're going to see, and, and I've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of legislation over the past mm -hmm. couple of months on, on the issue, and most of it, if not all of it, is just messaging bills. These are bills that have no opportunity to pass. They're just meant to divide Americans further. You know, I, I, I'm pro-life, and I've always believed in the sanctity of life, and I think we've got to find a way as a country, a more constructive way forward on this issue. I think the extremes on both sides of, of this issue have got it wrong. For example, I you know, oppose late-term abortions on demand, but I also oppose uh, absolute bans on abortion without exceptions, or, uh, bans that would force a 10-year-old rape victim to have to carry a pregnancy to term, for example. This is just wrong. So you know, we're tearing ourselves apart as a country on this issue, and I just don't think it's necessary. The way forward on this issue, I believe, is making contraception more available, doing more to support women, children, and families, and imparting the right values to our children. That's what, that's what will lower the abortion rate in America. And most Americans, most Utahns can support that. So that's where I think we need to focus, and that's where I'd like to spend my time leading on this issue. 
The southern border, more than 2 million apprehensions, at least people who have been stopped by border security in this fiscal year. How do we solve this problem? Republicans and Democrats for decades have said that it's a problem that needs to get fixed, but it's not popular as we head up to each election. No one wants to fix the problem. How do you do it? I do think we need to secure the border. You know, I, I do think that we should listen to the experts who say, you know, it's a combination of different things we need at different places in, in, in or along the border, whether it's advanced technologies or, or a wall in some places, all of that together, as the experts say. Uh, let's depoliticize this issue. We all share an interest in securing our southern border. Let's do what the experts tell us is necessary. Uh, but I also think we need to treat immigrants humanely. I believe that immigrants are a tremendous source of strength in our country. 43% of, of Fortune 500 companies are started by immigrants or their offspring. That's tremendous. I served in the CIA for over a decade and served with immigrants. They made us stronger. We were stronger fighting against Al-Qaeda because of them. So, and they add culturally and in so, other, so many other ways, they bring a commitment to freedom and opportunity that sometimes I think you know, we take for granted as, as Americans who were born here. So, but we need to reform our immigration system too. We need to remain a, a nation of laws. I think that's important. I think it's important that we uh, treat immigrants humanely at the border. We need to improve our asylum process so that we can make those decisions, you know, a judge can, and if somebody qualifies, they, they get asylum, and if not, they're returned back to, to their homes. I think that's important. I'm someone, someone who believes that dreamers who were brought here by their parents as children, they didn't make the decision themselves. I think they should have a path to citizenship. For other undocumented uh, immigrants, it's more complicated, but I draw a bright line on dividing and separating families. I wanna keep families together. But if you're someone who's always dreamed of coming to Manhattan and you're a young man in your 20s and, and you've done that, but you've overstayed your visa, it's time to return to where you came and you can come back when you get another visa. So that's how I look at immigration. There's been a lot of political ads that are getting not so nice in the final weeks that I'm sure people are seeing on Utah airwaves. Uh, before we let you go, you filed a lawsuit uh, against an ad that was run specifically from a PAC, not from Senator Lee, but a PAC, that edited your words from CNN that took out um, a word that was important in the Senate saying that you believe the uh, Republican base is racist. You said that there was a part of it, I'm not sure exactly what the exact quote it was, but why even say that part of the base is racist. Well, you just repeated what was said in the ad after it was doctored. You, you didn't say what I said. Correct. So You're in, your, in yeah. the ad, though. I have it written down here. I can't see. Well, um, well, I've, you, you said an element of the base is racist. That, that was part of a sentence. So, so what happened for your viewers is that a, an out-of-state super PAC yeah. that supports far-right candidates around the country, including Mike Lee here in Utah, took an interview of mine from 2017 on CNN. I was asked to come on and talk about the murder of a, a woman, Heather Heyer, in Charlotte, Charlottesville, Virginia, in, in a, uh, we all remember the neo-Nazi yeah. rally in March that was there, and then she was killed as one of them plowed their cars into the crowd where she was standing. And so during that interview, I, I talked about how you know, not all Republicans are on board with that kind of extremism and that I was raised by Republicans who were not, um, but that you know, there is an element of the Republican base that has given in to that extremism. And then I called on principled Republican and conservative leaders more to stand up against that extremism. And I'll tell you, for the last several years, really my, you know, most of my, my public work has been standing up to the extremism on both ends of the political spectrum. 
And I'm committed to doing that. You know, the extremes in our country are tearing us apart. You know, they make it impossible for us to solve problems. They, they convince us, many of us, that the other side is the enemy when it's just not the truth. And I am going to continue to call out extremes on both ends of the political spectrum when I see them. And I just think it's so important that our leaders do that. And if that's going to include the neo-Nazis, and I'm going to do that again. And I, I want, as somebody who was raised in the party of Lincoln and Reagan, you know, I want to see them pushed out of the Republican Party. You know, the wokeism and the cancel culture of the left is something that I also think is very divisive in our, our country. And I'm going to continue to push back against that. I am, I am an anti-extremist in this way. I, I believe that most Utahns and most Americans are somewhere in the middle, whether center-right or center-left. And we want government to function and work for us, not against us. And so in order to achieve that, we need more leaders who do stand up to extremism. And I'm just going to continue to do that. A lot of your tweets, though, from 2016 on really call out Republicans as being racist. Not all of them, but you use the term no. Republicans together in some of your tweets. Why not no. just call out extremism in general? Because there's bad apples probably in every barrel you find. Well, I talk about the extremism on both sides in both parties. And, and I, the reason why I talk about it in a political sense is because I work in, in politics. I'm, I, I, you know, and I'm, I urge both parties to commit to our core values as a country. Those, those in our Declaration of Independence that we're all created free and equal. And therefore we have a system of self-government in which we select our leaders. And when we vote them out, they go peacefully, these basic things. So I'm an advocate. My whole public work has been about standing up to the extremes. And in fact, Senator Lee, my opponent in 2016, he was with me. He stood up to those extremes as well. He understood that there was a threat to the Constitution that coming from, from Donald Trump and, and uh, you know, urged me to run uh, you know, in, a, in opposition to him and then voted for me on election day. But of course, after election day, he decided that he should get on board with, the, with an extremist movement in, in the country and, and cater to it, tolerate it, because it was good for his power, even to the point of calling, comparing Donald Trump to the revered leader in the Book of Mormon, Captain Moroni, in October of 2020. So he has decided to go down this road of catering to the extremes. I will not do it. I will not tolerate the extremes on either end of the political spectrum. I think most Americans and most Utahns have had enough. And we need leaders who aren't just going to say, look, th these are extremes, but they're the extremes in my party, so I'm going to tolerate them. No, we can't have that. We need leaders on both sides of the political aisle who are going to stand up to the extremes, help Americans find common ground, and keep our country strong. And that's what I'm committed to doing. If people have more questions, where do they go to find more information as they get their ballots in the next week? They can go to evanmcmullen.com, and I encourage everyone to join us. We are I don't care who you voted for in past elections. I don't care what party you're a member of. If you're committed to our core values as a country, that we're created free and equal, and therefore we have a system of self-government and a constitution. If you're committed to those basic things, you've got a place in this coalition, and I invite you to join us. Thanks for coming in and being Thank part you. of a conversation. You have till November 8th to vote. You can even show up in person if the ballot doesn't yeah. show up on your countertop. Thanks That's so right. much for coming Thank in. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you.